Good morning. It's good to be with you today. I've been sitting down front a little bit in fear because this thing looked like it came up to about here on me. A little deceiving. I, I was going to suggest you, uh, you put in your bylaws that you call a pastor that's at least six foot tall, but no need for that now. It, it worked out for me. So short guys are okay. Well, listen, I'm, I know what happens at a time like this. We come to a time where you expect that Easter's next Sunday, and so today we're, we're going to be talking about crucifixion and all that. But with that said, that's not what I'm going to do this morning, and it's not because I like to be different. It's, it's because I, I think there's something we need to see and, and need to understand. Now, you probably studied that this morning in your Sunday school time, and you've talked about it, and, and we certainly are thinking about the process now that there is this holy week that takes place up to the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection, right? And so there's an awful lot to unpack in that time. What I want to do this morning, though, is talk to you about something that we need to be reminded of. Folks, this is the Word of God. And I want you to know we would know nothing about the things that we're, we hold most dear as Christians of the time of Easter, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, if it wasn't for the Word of God. We would be totally confused, misunderstand, and, and listen, people have a hard enough time the way it is, but God has given us His Word. And the truth is, when you spend time with the Lord, His Word is not that difficult to understand. Sometimes we don't understand because we don't want to. But sometimes we have to understand because we spend time with Him, draw close to Him, let Him break through some of the walls and the barriers that He needs to so that He can speak to our hearts and frankly, Get us straightened out. So I want you to look at something with me this morning. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want you to know that as you read through everything that, that goes along with Holy Week and the crucifixion and the resurrection this morning, that you can count on what God's Word says because in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, God's Word says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Now I could stop there. But the truth of the matter is, we see why that's very important, because if you slide down just a few more verses, in chapter 4 and verse 3, it warns us, "...for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires." Bow with me for prayer, would you? Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you love us so much that not only, not only did you go through the horrendous time upon the cross and all that that entailed and then rose for us, but Lord, that you also have given us your word. 
And so this morning, in thankfulness and in gratitude, we want to spend time in your word. We want to spend time with you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would touch every heart, every life here. Convict us, Lord, where we need convicting. Correct us where we need correcting. And Lord, encourage us where we need encouragement. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I, I want to look at this passage this morning, and I know that many years ago, Southern Baptists talked about the battle for the Bible. That was a long time ago. I'm an old guy, so I, I, I remember that. I remember when it was on the forefront of things. Could you count on the Bible or not count on the Bible? And, and you would think at one time that those kind of things would be settled. But things don't always stay settled, not in the day and time that we live in. Somebody's always looking to try to put a new spin on things. And it's something that we have to be careful about and be on guard about. Now, if you've been around Southern Baptists very long, you've heard the name Charles Stanley, and there probably is an awful lot of people who know exactly who Charles Stanley is, particularly if you're of my age, you know, and probably appreciate Charles Stanley and all that he's done. I mean, a tremendous preacher, a great expositor of the Bible. I know that his heart has to break when he listens to his son sometimes. Charles had a son, Andy. Andy is pastor at North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. It's a mega church. And Andy has kind of gone a little bit off the rails. Um, I've had a lot of his books, being totally honest with you, and, and I just got to a place where I had to stop reading a lot of it because somehow Andy found a way to get off the rails. And when I say that, I, I, I don't mean that he's challenging a lot of things. He is not challenging the resurrection. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say that. But Andy said, evangelical Christianity has a big problem. And that problem is a reliance on the Bible that is both unwarranted and unhelpful. Wow. One of the big time pastors of today tells us that we have that kind of a problem, our dependence upon the Bible, that it's unwarranted and unhelpful. Again, you know, when you think you have things dealt with, the devil drags them back up. So I want to talk to you about that this morning. By the way, that, that, that wasn't even the first or the only type of sermon that he's preached or made those kind of comments about. Um, he, he gets into a lot of different things that I'm not going to do this morning. But in his message, in one particular message, he stated, So I need you to listen really carefully, and the reason is this. Perhaps you were taught as I was taught, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He says, that 
is where our problem began. Wow. Well, then where does he get his information from? How does he know what he can depend on if there's a problem with the Word of God? Listen, I, I want to stand here today and I, I want to tell you that whether you think I'm a country bumpkin or, or whatever, I, I want you to understand, I totally believe this is God's Word. Every bit of it. I have no doubt about that. My life has been built on looking at God's Word and, and understanding that this is His Word. And it was given to me and it was given to you for a purpose. And, and so I want you to think about that with me this morning. It, it really kind of becomes pretty clear that, that Andy has a problem. He's saying that he identifies a crisis of what today is called deconversion. And what he's talking is about adults leaving the church because they find some parts of the Bible hard to deal with. Well, yeah, lost people have a real hard time dealing with the Bible. God's people, when we become one of God's children, we have a hunger for His Word. We want God to speak to us. We want to hear what He has to say to us. But Andy thinks that some have outgrown their childlike faith and no longer believe because of what they are confronted with in the Bible. And by the way, he goes on to say that the Bible told me so is one of the threads we hear in the deconversion stories all the time. And I have a feeling, and this is Andy, and I have a feeling for many, many, many of you who are losing faith or have lost faith, especially in the Christian faith, this is a big part of your story. And later he follows by dismissing the Bible says it, that settles it approach to Christianity. He says, the problem with that is this. If the Bible goes, our faith goes. You know what? I'll give him credit for that. If the Bible goes, our faith goes. You say, well, Brother Terry, God's Spirit still speaks to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the Word of God keeps us on track. I know some people that have thought the Spirit of God spoke to them, and I thought that they probably had pizza late at night the night before. Listen, we can trust God's Word because God provided it for us for specifically this reason. Andy, by the way, says it's nearly impossible to, defeat, to defend the entire Bible. And it's sad that Andy's gotten into that position. And even more discouraging that Andy apparently thinks that he's the kind of guy or just the guy to be able to decipher which parts are good and which parts aren't. And that's kind of sad, isn't it? I would think Andy would know more than that. But you see, Jesus actually pointed 
to the Old Testament. Remember when he's walking, after his resurrection, he's walking on the road with those two disciples and they don't quite understand. It says that he takes those two and he goes back and starts talking to him about all that was written by the prophets and how they spoke of him. Jesus believed the Bible. Jesus quotes so much from the Old Testament. You can't throw it away. You can't get away from it. You can't find issues with it. I mean, I may find something I don't understand right away, but you can't throw it away. You can't ignore it. Listen, a true defense of the Christian faith has never been more needed than it is in the day and time that we live in. If Scripture can't be trusted, we're really doomed. You know, the Bible is the most unique book that has ever been written. There are over approximately 200,000 manuscripts of the Old Testament, approximately 25,000 of the New Testament. The amazing circulation of the Bible has virtually gone around the world. Just a couple of years ago, I was talking about 6,100 people groups that the Bible had not reached yet. Now we're talking about 1,300 people groups the Bible has not reached, and that's within a couple of years. You know, it's almost shouting ground because when the whole world knows, it's time for the Lord to come back and sign me up. By the way, I believe in a rapture. There are some people that don't, and if you don't, that's okay. Stay where you're at. When I'm raptured, I'll do my best to grab you and take you with me, okay? But the Bible has that supernatural indestructibility that God has placed within it. Emperors have come and stood against it done their best to wipe it out and to burn it out and to, to kill those who, who read it and possess it and share it. But they haven't been able to do it. God's Word still lives, and it is living. There is unbelievable unity in the Word of God. It's written over a 1,600-year period. It's written with three different languages, 40 different human authors that God used, three different continents, ten different types or styles of writing. And over and over, its historical accuracy has been confirmed as the spades have gone and continued to dig up what God has told us many years ago. One of my... Heroes that I like to read is John Stott, and he said, Submission to Scripture is for us evangelicals a sign of our submission to Christ, a test of our loyalty to Him. Now listen, did you get that? Our submission to Scripture, how much you and I are willing to listen to what God's Word has to say and let our lives be conformed to God's Word 
tells you how much you really love Jesus. You can stand and tell me how much you really love Jesus. You can even sing about how much you really love Jesus. But the truth is, do you submit your life to it? It is God's Word. Jesus' great example, as I've already mentioned, He quoted 80 times from more than 70 different Old Testament passages. He was devoted to the Word. When the young Jesus got away from his folks, where did they find him? At the temple, debating with the best of the best as a young child. So I want you to notice just a few things with me this morning. I want you to notice what God has done in giving us His Word, and I want you to see what makes it special. What makes it special is, number one, that it is owned. It's God's Word. Every passage, every chapter, every verse, every word of it is God's Word. It is what we call God-breathed. It's what Scripture called inspired the inspired Word of God. By the way, since I've kind of stepped on Andy a little bit, let me tell you what Charles, his dad, says. As we read through Paul's letters to his young protege, Timothy, we find that their content is written just as much for us. Every man, woman, and young person who studies God's Word comes face to face with truth that is inspired by God. To that we say amen. By the way, God owns it. God gave it to us. It was given to us, wasn't it? Paul Paul warned the the godly, the mature church, the Christians at Ephesus, and, and, and pastored first, and then as an apostle gave Timothy access to the church there. And in Acts 20, 29, it says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. What do you do about that? You measure what somebody says against God's Word. You put it beside God's Word. If it doesn't hold up, it's not from God. If it disagrees with Scripture, it's not from God. You reject it. And Paul's going to tell us how to use the Word of God. Not only is it owned, but it's outlined. That second part of verse 16, we're told exactly what it is for and and how to use it. God unfolds it for us. Imagine if you would, you're at home and your doorbell rings and you get there and the mailman has left something outside your door and it's a pretty good sized box and you open it up and it says Ikea and there are no instructions in it. What do you do? Ikea is famous for the furniture that has 30 million parts and hard to read instructions. 
Thank God he gave us instructions because this is not an easy life to live, folks. When times get difficult, you need to know that there's something that you can count on. Not only did God give us His Spirit as His children, but gave us His Word to guide us and direct us in our lives. Now, <clears throat> several years back, I, I met a, a gentleman that, that's a, I, I would say, a contemporary preacher. A good guy, and as far as I know, solidly on the Bible. And his name's Andy Addis. And Andy wrote a little book that, that's pretty important. It, it's called Reading It Right. And what he does is he takes verse 16 and he takes those words that what it's profitable for, God's word teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And he breaks that down for us. And I, let me just share that with you rather quickly because if you take notes or if you write things down, I, I want you to walk away with this. I don't want to come in and tell you, read God's Word and live in God's Word and not tell you how that can happen. But this is, this is Andy Addis. It's, it's not Terry Mott, okay. But, but he says in the part about teaching that that's... that's Teaching as in summarizing, summarizing Scripture. In other words, I read it and I ask the question, how can I put this into practice? How, how do I get this into a, a nutshell that I, that I understand it and, and I am able to put it into a thought that's actionable, a thought that I can grasp and live out? And then he talks about the word reproof which is really another word that means to expose. And what he's doing is he's, he's exposing as in what is the passage pointing out in my life? What is there that God is telling me needs to be exposed? In other words, what did I, when I read that passage, what did I commit or what did I omit? What's God exposing about my life and my relationship with Him? And, and then, correcting or correction. That's about change. Why do you correct something or correct someone? Because you want change. And, and so, Change. What specific action should I take? Godly change leads to spiritual growth in our lives. It's that kind of correction that we need. The word training means to prepare. We're training, we're preparing. What's God's plan? for me. A special idea here that's kind of often missed, God knows the future and He's training you for the future that you meet. He's training you for the place that you fit, for the ministry that you have, for the life that you're intended to live.
all that said because reading the Bible should be life-changing. Did you hear me? If you have a dozen or two Bibles at your house, but they are not changing your life, something is spiritually wrong with you. Not a problem with God's Word. It's a problem with you. It's a problem with me. I'm either not spending the time that I need to in it, or I'm not listening. Let me share something else with you. We said it was owned. We said it was, God even outlines it for us, but it's optimized as well. He fine-tunes it. The Word of God applied has a purpose. It strips away all the nonsense. It it really exposes the truth to us. and, And because of that, it leads people to salvation. It leads Christians to become mature in Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 say, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Christ came for us. And listen, you and I are to be equipped for His service. I'm sure that when you were asked as a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nobody said, I want to be a servant. If you did, you're a weird kid. Listen, that's what God is calling us to be, a servant, a servant. What we dream for ourselves and what God designs for us can be miles apart. So read His Word. Stay with Him. You want to know where a lot of heartache in life comes? When our eyes get big and our hearts get full of following after things so that we get our eyes off of Him. Now, God may have great big things planned for us, but make sure it's God's great big plans for us. Don't try to grow without God. All right. he's in the process of making us more like Jesus. All that to say, you can't get to where God wants you without devotion to Him and His Word. I need to start wrapping this up, don't I? We are ordered here to preach. Preach the Word. We're... We're commanded to. It's very emphatic. The, the, listen to me. The only power that preaching has is that it's connected to the Word of God. It's the only power 
that preaching really has is that it's connected to the Word of God. It's not preaching that gives the Word of God power. It's the Word of God that gives preaching power. And that's why Paul said, preach the Word. The Trinity. Pre-existent Christ, the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, the miracles of Christ, the substitutionary death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the second coming of Christ, the eternal judgment, and, and so much, much more. We're to preach that because it's God's Word. You'll never exhaust God's Word. That's why preachers like me preach too long. We can't find a cutoff place to it. But I'm going to. This word that God has given us is also opposed. You know that. One martyr that was put in a death camp in, in Hitler's Nazi concentration, or concentration camp said, those who want to win the world for Christ must have the courage to come into conflict with it. You hear that? Because it's real easy to try to run away from and avoid the conflict with the world. And the Bible tells us when you follow God, you're going to run headlong into it. So you can't tiptoe your way around it. No other book has ever been more scrutinized and attacked than the Bible, and yet God has reserved it for you and I and for a time such as this. Ronnie Floyd said, I believe if the Apostle Paul were here today and we asked him, Paul, tell us the number one thing we ought to do to reach a postmodern world. Ronnie says, I guarantee you I know what he would say in three words. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. I know you may not have the title preacher, but God's telling you to do it. <laughs> what do you think he meant when he said, both in season and out of season? In a postmodern world, guys, we're out of season. We still preach the word. Okay. This is important because it presents to us an outcome that we absolutely want. Loving God's Word means you can't say God is silent. How many times have people, have I, said, God, I, I'm just not hearing you? Oh, really? Really? I know there are times it feels like we're not hearing from God. But God's always speaking to us. Loving God's Word means that you can't go far from God at all. God's always available. He's available in His Word. He's available through His Son, Jesus Christ. God is available daily.
Now, some people say everyone is basically good. Scripture says, God says, all have sinned. Some say there is no hell, so there's no need to be concerned. But God says, fear Him who has power to throw you into hell. Some say heaven is not a real place. God says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. John 14. Some say there is no such thing as a life after death. God says, man is destined to die. And after that, the judgment. Some say we can do nothing about the future, what, what it's going to be or what it will be like. God says you must be born again. It's your starting point. And it's very important. How can you be born again? Because Proverbs, even Proverbs tells us, whoever confesses and renounces his sin finds mercy. And then John 1.12 says, To all who received Him as Christ, He gave the right to become the children of God. Some say we cannot be sure of salvation or our destiny when we die. God says you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5.13 I quoted him all ago. I say it again. John Stott said, Submission to Scripture is for us evangelicals a sign of our submission to Christ. To test, it's a test of our loyalty to Him. You know, the only people that enjoy a test, those that have prepared for it. I've sat through a lot of tests. Some of them I didn't mind at all because I knew. I knew well. Ones I didn't know. The ones that scared me. Be prepared. I'm going to ask right now that you bow your heads, close your eyes right where you're at. We're going to come to a time of invitation. I don't want to ask you, when we've been talking this morning about God's Word, and you've been thinking, when I say God's Word, you've been thinking Bible and, and all these images come up in our minds, and surely that, that does, that's normal, that's natural. My, my question is to you, how much then... Do you love God's Word? Preacher, how do I know that? Well, how much time do you spend in God's Word? How important is it to you to God's Word? If God's Word were, was to be taken away tomorrow, as so many have tried to do, would it make a difference in how you live? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we come to a time like this. I thank you for this church and this family. I pray, Lord, that in this time of invitation that you would speak. That our hearts would be touched and be filled with your presence. That our love for you would be rekindled if it needs to be that our love for Your Word would, would grow even more, Father. Because most of all, we want to be close to You. Lord, there may be someone here today that needs to call upon Jesus Christ to be saved. 
Lord, if they come in repentance and they mean business with you, you, you mean business with them. There may be Christians today that say, you know, this, this kind of hits me in a place. I know I need to do better. I, I know I need, I know things have gotten off the rails or can go more off the rails, Lord, if I don't get back to you and your word. Lord, I, I pray that whatever decision you lay upon hearts today, today we'd have the boldness to proclaim it and to allow you to change our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to...